if you'll take your Bibles today and, and let's, uh, let's finish up this series um, on finances and money. Turn over to Mark chapter 10, um, and we're going to be reading a passage of Scripture found in there in the New Testament in the book of Mark up near the front. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, second of the New Testament. But uh, let me say this while you're turning there. Um, every day, you guys have heard this phrase, we're a step away from what? Every day we're a step away from stupid. Stupid, stupid. Are you supposed to say that in church? <laughs> step away from stupid. Every day we are faced with multiple decisions that, that we have to make on various issues. Um, it could be morality, it could be sexuality, integrity, um, relational issues, um, finance, money issues. And every time you sit at the crossroad of that decision, uh, it's an opportunity, and you've got to make a choice. You've got a choice. You've got to make a choice to do something. And so the the question I have for you today is: when you when you're sitting at that crossroad, and you've got to make a choice, what is it that formulates to the direction that you'll go? I mean, how do you how do you make a choice? Do you choose on based on what your spouse tells you to do? Do you make a choice based on what is popular to to everybody around you? Do you make a choice based on um, what benefits you the most? Do you make a decision or choice based on what God's Word has to say? And so my, my question is, when you're faced with an issue, when you're faced with having to make a decision, what is it that propels you forward in making that decision? Honestly, most of us probably make decisions based off of what? Money? What else? greed, feelings, what feels right. Well, we spent the past seven weeks walking through some issues on the, in the area of finances. And you, and you guys, listen, we've not even touched the hem. I mean, we've only talked about a, a few things. But there's, there's been an awful lot that we've talked about in the seven weeks that we've been talking. An awful lot of stuff. So let's review really quickly some of the things that we've talked about. We started out with the bottom line, and the bottom line is what? God owns it all. Not partial, not a piece, but he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. As a matter of fact, he owns the hills in which the cattle stand. And then we, we talked about the fact of ownership, um, that as the owner, he has the ability to distribute how he desires. And that could be a little, it could be a lot, and we like go, well, that's just not fair. That's just the way it is. He has the ability to do that. We've looked at it from God's perspective, um, and we've said it's not how much you've gotten, it's not how much you have, but it's what you do with what you have that makes the difference. We've looked at it from God's viewpoint. What is, how does God view money? We saw that God views money as a, as a tool. It's a way that we have an opportunity to invest and to expand the kingdom. We've said that it is a test. If you can't be faithful in small things, how in the world can you be faithful in larger things? And we've also seen it's a trademark. We're really good about wearing a Christian t-shirt or, or wearing a necklace that's got a cross around it. But if you really want to know the essence of who we are, whose we are, all you're going to do is just check somebody's checkbook. Because the basis of who we are is determined by how we spend what's been, what we've been blessed. We talked about the issue of stewardship, of what a steward is, and that we're stewards, and we're here to manage what God has blessed us with from His perspective. Then we talked about um, what do we do 
which is, this is not really culturally acceptable because we always want to know, why don't I have more, right? But we ask the question, what do I do when, I've had, when I have too much? And we said this, that every one of us in this room have more than really what we need. We've been blessed. And then we asked the question, the last time that we were together talking, um, we asked the question in reference to dis discontentment that, that um, Leanne brought up. We are forced towards discontentment. And how is it that I can be content in what God has blessed me with? And we, we found out what the Scripture has to say. The way that we offset discontentment is to learn to be generous. To learn to be generous with what God has given. It helps offset the issue. Generosity. Generosity bridles discontentment. And then last week, Randy came back and did a great job in talking to us about some practical things within the area of finances. Well, today we're going to finish up our series, and what we're going to do is we're going to go back and look at a story um, that Jesus talks about in reference to a meeting that he had with a guy, another rich man. There's a lot of rich people in the Bible, aren't there? But he has this conversation with a rich guy who comes to Jesus because he's got a question that he wants to ask him. Um, and we're going to have to see what we're going to see what how Jesus responds to this guy. Um, this is what I want to say about this guy up front. This guy is not a follower of Christ, um, and he comes to Christ because he has a he's got a question. Obviously, he knew something about Jesus. Either he had set up under his teachings, um, he was um, he could have been somebody that had heard about Jesus's teachings. But for whatever reason, he comes to this place and he and he and he enters into a conversation about eternal life because he wants to ask Jesus something that he believes that Jesus has the answer to. Um, and look at here what it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. But before we do this, I just want to pray really quickly because it could be really tough for some of us here today. Would you pray? Father, um, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts today? Because the reality is that every one of us in this room are rich. Allow our hearts to be pricked, and Father, may we hear your words today. Every one of us in here has distractions, distractions, things that are a hindrance in our relationship with you. Father, may these words that we read out of the scriptures, may they just, may they overtake us today, Lord. And may you allow us to see from your perspective what you want us to see so that we can hear what you want us to hear. You are the teacher today. We're excited to hear what you have to teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read this in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And it says this, um, as Jesus was, was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, this is verse 17, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's a guy who's interested in eternal life, and for some reason he stops Jesus to ask him this question. When's the last time somebody has stopped you to ask you a spiritual question? <clears throat> I mean, think about the life that you live and the people that you're surrounded by. When is the last time that somebody trusted you enough, believed in you enough, saw something in you that they themselves didn't have, and came to you and says, can I sit down? Can I ask you a question that's really personal? Can I ask you a question that's been on my mind? For whatever the reason was, this guy came to Jesus because he saw something. And he looked to engage in a conversation. Now, there's a couple of thoughts that I have here. Number one, he addresses Jesus as a good teacher. I want you just to sort of think about that for a second, a good teacher. 
um, and he missed out on the fact of who Jesus really was. He didn't understand that this would be the guy that eventually would be crucified for his sins. He didn't understand and didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. He only saw him as a good teacher. Just sort of contemplate that for a second. The second thought that I want you to think about is this. This guy comes to Jesus looking for answers, thinking that he could do something to save himself. He thought that he could do something that by his own efforts, that salvation was something that he could earn. Eternal life was something that he could earn. And look at how Jesus responds to him in verse 18. And this is what he says. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Now this is a very interesting um, conversation and a response. Because in this encounter, like I said, this guy had no idea who he was really speaking to. And he only addresses Jesus based on what he has heard well, I know you're a good guy. I know you're a good guy. And, and Jesus, in turn, answers him with a question. He says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Jesus wasn't saying that he wasn't good. He just wanted the guy to understand there's no one good except for God, and works don't make us good. Have you ever told somebody, you ever said, man, that, that, you know, Marshall, he's a really good guy. You know, Jeff, he's a good guy. Terry, man, or, 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 you know... Just a great run. Man, that's a great guy. He's a good guy. Amen. <laughs> but what's the standard of goodness? What's the standard of greatness? And what Jesus was saying here, listen, <laughs> there's only one that's good. Amen. There's only one that's good. And that's the standard of good. Jesus wasn't saying he wasn't good, but he wanted the guy to understand that there was no one good except for God. And our works don't make us good. Good is only an attribute of God, and he is the standard of good. And look at what he says in verse 19. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Or honor your father and honor your father and mother. Jesus knows that this guy thinks that he can earn salvation. So what he does, he goes back to the commandments. And the commandments, the Ten Commandments are basically divided down into two different portions. There are those that are representative of our relationship with God. Do not worship any other God. Do not make any idols. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And then there's the second half that deals with our relationship with one another. There is the vertical relationship. There is the horizontal relationship. Jesus would affirm that later on when he said, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Basically the division of the two commandments. So he divides them down. And Jesus said, listen, if you really want to know, here, go and do these things. To which the guy responds, well, man, listen, I've already done that. Look in verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've already obeyed these commandments since I was young. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that, that what you're telling me is that I need to do something that I've already done, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this eternal life thing. I mean, I've already done those things. You ever been to a movie and you're like, at the end of the movie you go... You mean to tell me that's the way this thing's going to end? <laughs> Why did I come spend my however much to come watch a movie and it ends that way? There's got to be a sequel to the story. Verse 21. Looking at the man, he felt genuine love for him. Nothing ever caught Jesus by surprise, did it? He always knew what was taking place. 
He already knew how the guy was going to respond. And I love this passage here because I, Jesus looks on us and he has compassion. And he had a genuine love. Because Jesus was God, he's getting ready to throw some stuff on him. He already knew how the guy was going to respond. He already knew what was going to take place. Here's the guy saying, listen, tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. But Jesus knew that what he was going to tell him to do that he wouldn't be willing to do. Because what Jesus was going to ask him to do would expose, expose where his true love was. Look at what he told him in verse 21. Well, there's still something you haven't done, he said. The guy's sitting on the edge of the seat saying, well, tell me, tell me, tell me, what, tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Just tell me, just tell me what I need to do. And he said this, he gives him, tell me one thing. But Jesus doesn't give him one thing, he gives him really three things. He said, there's one thing you haven't done. And then he, he gives him these three things. You might want to write these down. He says, number one, in verse 21, go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. And thirdly, then come follow me. Do you think that's what the guy wanted to hear? Now listen, Jesus, I'll do anything else that you want me to do, but listen, I don't really, you really don't mean that, do you? You mean to tell me you want me to go sell what I have? I'm a rich man. Don't you understand how much wealth that I've accumulated? And you're telling me you want me to go sell what I have, give to the poor, and then come follow you? By the way, what does following you have to do with eternal life? He didn't have a clue who he's talking to. Jesus was just a good teacher to him. The guy wanted eternal life, but he wanted it his way. He wanted it as on his terms. How many of us here desire to have eternal life but want it on our terms? I mean, I'll, I'll show up on a Sunday morning every once in a while, you know, and I'll give a little money to the, you know, to the offering as it sits over in the corner. Or, you know, I'll go get involved in a small group. But you mean to tell me that you might expect something a little bit more from me? I don't know about that. And this is what Jesus says to him. And listen, I'm the Son of God and I'm inviting you into a relationship with me just as I have invited others before you. Just like I invited John and just like I invited Matthew and just like I invited Peter and just like I invited Andrew. But to have a relationship with me, you're going to have to get rid of some things that are a hindrance in your life. You're going to have to lay aside some things in your life that are a distraction. To have a relationship with me, listen, I don't want to be second, but I want to be first. So let's just start off right by getting rid of some things that are a distraction. John 17, 3, Jesus would make some things very clear. As he talked about eternal life, he didn't, he didn't declare that eternal life was a place, but it was more about a person. It was more about a relationship because this is what is said. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Eternal life is about a relationship. And Jesus tells this guy, listen, you want to know about eternal life? It's not about all the stuff that you do. It's about me. And what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to have a relationship with me. And I want you to follow me, and I want you to get to know me. And in the process, I want you to understand that John and Peter and some of those guys, they had to leave fishing to come and follow me. And you know that guy, Matthew, the tax collector? Guess what he had to do? He had to walk away from the position that the only thing that he ever knew, the way that he made his monies, he had to walk away from that to follow me. And just like them, 
I'm asking for you to lay aside something that's really important. And just like him, we're asked the same thing. What is it that we ourselves need to lay aside and put over on the sidelines just so that we can know God and have a relationship with Him? Because every one of us in this room have a distraction. I don't care who you are, what it is. Every one of us in this room have a, has a distraction in our lives. And it keeps us from truly knowing God. You might say, well, I sure know it ain't money because I don't have any money. No, it may not be money, but it may be something else. It could even be your family. It could be your um, job. It could be your hobby. I don't know what it may be. But every one of us have, have things in our life that have the ability to distract us, that keep us from knowing Him, and only lead us to knowing about Him. So you can say that you know Brian Williams, but you don't know Brian Williams unless you spend an awful lot of time with Brian Williams. I can say that I know Bart Lucas, but I don't really know Bart until I spend time with Bart. I can't know the characteristics of Bart. I can't know um, what makes up Bart until I spend time with Bart. And it's through getting to know Bart that I can trust Bart because I know who he is and I know his lifestyle and I know his morality and I know his integrity. And Jesus said, listen, you can't know me as long as you've got this other stuff going on in your life. You can know about me, but you really can't know me. And that stuff is keeping you from entering into a relationship with me. And I want you to understand, I don't want to be second. I want to be first. I want to be first. And Jesus tells the guy, listen, if you want eternal life, if you want to know me, then leave that stuff behind and put me in first place in your life. And it just so happens to be that that stuff that you consider your wealth, the things that you think that you own, it's that stuff, your money, that has disconnected you from me. It's within that arena that you're dependent in law too. But if you want to connect to me, I want you to set it to the side. I want you to sell your possessions, give to the poor, and come follow me. And as sad as it was, that's all he had to do. But the truth was, he wanted his wealth more than he wanted eternal life. Look at what it says in verse 22, and this has to be one of the saddest statements that we find in Scripture. Because the guy would protect what he valued the most. He would protect the temporary over the expense of the eternal. And he says here, At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, because he had many possessions. He had too much stuff. It got in the way. Now, take a breather, guys. This is not the principle. The principle, is go, the principle isn't go sell everything that you have and give to the poor. Okay, that's not the, that's not the principle here. The principle is deal with the distractions that you have in your life. It just so happened that this guy, it happened to be his finances. Jesus, what is one of the reasons I think he spent so much time talking about finances because he knows that there's nothing else, nothing else that competes in our love for him than, is, than our pursuit of wealth does. Matthew 6, 24 said it this way, no one can serve two masters. Nothing affects our relationship with God more than our pursuit of a lifestyle. And listen at this. You know, when God says, I want you to go sell your possessions and give to the poor, it's funny because he could have said, go sell your possessions and bring them to me. But that's not what he said. God doesn't want your money. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that I want your heart. And there is a tremendous connection between what's in the back of the wallet to what's in the heart. 
And Jesus said, listen, I just want you to know how much you trust me. Do you trust me enough to be vulnerable and do what I say, what I want you to do? I want your heart. I want a relationship with you. But right now, the money's standing in the way. And the truth is this, guys. People that are in love do some crazy things. To the natural man that would have been watching, he would have said, you've got to be crazy. Give up your money? I don't think so. No, don't do that. I mean, have you ever done something crazy, extravagant, for, because you, out of love? Anybody ever done something really crazy out of, out of, out of love? Um, I had this kid that used to go on choir tours and stuff with us, and it came, he really set the precedence for me having to do something I thought I'd never do. Because every time we'd go on a trip, this kid, he, he loved with all of his heart. And so any, there was always a girl that was attached to his heart. And he was probably in about seventh grade. His name was Jeremy. Jeremy would probably listen to this and probably call me and say, what were you doing talking about me? But it was always like this. The first stop that we made on the trip, he would always spend all of his money on a girl. He would spend every bit of money. And you're like going, dude, how are you going to eat? I don't know. What would you do that for? Because I love her. I'm like, going, get out of here, man. We do some crazy things for love. I mean, some of you guys, what are some of the things that you've done in the name of love that you, it, it, sort of, it, it blew the budget. I mean, th- here we're talking about money and finances, but man, listen, when you're in love, sometimes the budget goes way out the door, right? When Meredith turned 30, she had, uh, <clears throat> she had lost a diamond. She woke up one morning, she, and you ever had, you heard your wife go, <gasps> <clears throat> well, she did that. I guess one of her prongs had broke in the diamond. It wasn't that big, so, you know, little old bitty thing. We looked for it and looked for it. I'm thinking, like, this is ridiculous. How in the world are we going to find a needle in the haystack? But, but anyway, um, so I thought, you know, one of the things I'm going to do when she turns 30, I'm going to buy her a new diamond ring. And uh, so she had put it up, and I I'd snuck it out and took it to a jeweler. I said, listen, I want to get her a new diamond ring. But in addition to that, I knew that she always had, always had wanted a wrap to go around it. And so I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I don't have the money, but I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Um, I mean, you can think it was three or four or five carats, but it really wasn't that big. I want you to think that way. But, <clears throat> but anyway, so I did the best that I could with what I had. Okay? I wanted to be really extravagant. So, so I, I had set up this, this, this uh, supper deal with her and to celebrate her birthday, and I did it during the week so that it would not be that many people there at this restaurant. And it was a really nice restaurant, and I went in ahead of time, and I told the, told the manager, I said, listen, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to, I want, in some stages, you know, I wanted to make this sort of like a romantic thing. And so I, I, uh, I said, I'm going to bring in three dozen roses, okay? I'm going to bring in three cards, and I'm going to, when I arrive, I want that table, okay? That table is by itself, sit off by itself. And I said, this is what I want to take place. I want the set of roses, and I want the card on the table when she arrives. When we arrive, I'm going to pay you in advance so that when we're done, we just leave and walk out. Everything's taken care of. And so this is what I want to do. I want the roses on. I want them at this time because this is when we're going to arrive. And I'm holding you responsible because I'm giving you the jewelry. So... um, when we arrived, there was the roses on the table, and there was the card, and inside the card I had told Meredith there's something special, you know, something about roses, and always, always look, you never know what may turn up. Well, she goes digging through and finds the diamond ring. Well, it was great. And people are sort of looking. 
I said, now listen, when you bring the entree, I want the second set of roses to come out, and I want the, you to present the card. So the second set of roses, well, people start giggling and laughing, like, oh, that's so funny, you know, he's just so cute. <laughs> he's got two sets of roses on a table, you know, and it wasn't like we were sitting at a big family table, it's just a little table. So the roses are getting pretty, and she reads the card, and it says, just because, you know, it's really neat. Well, the third one was to come out with dessert. And it came out with the third dozen roses, came out with dessert. And by this time, people are starting to giggle and laugh because we got all these roses and these things. So this one right here um, had the, the diamond was in the roses, the, the wrap was. And so it was really just, went all out, baby. I mean, extravagant. She's like, well, how did you pay for this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a clue. <clears throat> well, we got up to leave. We got up to leave, and man, God is good, because we got up to leave, and it was going to really cost me a lot of money. And the girl came over to me, and she said this. She said, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? She said, your bill is paid. I go, well, I know you've already gotten my credit card. She says, oh, no, sir. She said, somebody was sitting here tonight watching you guys and said it was better than any entertainment that they could ever pay. <laughs> <clears throat> and they have paid for your meal. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. We've got to go do this again sometime. You know? <laughs> But listen, when we are in love, budgets have a way of being broken, don't they? When we're in love, what Jesus asks us to do isn't that difficult, is it? Think about the rich man. When we're in love, because you're in love, and you know that Jesus loves you. When He asks you to give, it's not that big a deal because you know it's not yours anyway. It's His. But if you're like most of us, when all of a sudden we're asked to be generous, or all of a sudden we're asked to, to come into a relationship with God, and, and we say, we all of a sudden we've got to wrestle because, okay, you know, if it was just about me, it's not that big a deal. But all of a sudden when you enter Jesus, all of a sudden there's a wrestling that takes place. There's no struggle when it's just about me. But when I begin to consider the things of the Lord and that He desires to have ownership is when that struggle begins. But I want to remind you, every one of us are a step away from stupid. Because every day we have opportunities and with those opportunities, choices. And we have to decide what are we going to love the most? What are we going to love the most? Who's going to sit in the seat of priority? It's not about the amounts. It's about whose we are. It's about ownership. It's about whether or not we're willing to trust. I want to go back and read verses 23 to 27. I want the Holy Spirit just to speak to you through this. This is what he says. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, Now how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And this amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. For the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, impossible. It's impossible for us to save ourselves. We can't work our way. But with God, everything is possible. Everything is possible with God. Why in the world would Jesus say it was so difficult to enter in the kingdom of God? Because Jesus knows how attached we are to our stuff. 
He knows how attached we are to our hobbies. He knows how attached we are to distractions. And he says to us, I don't want to be second. I want to be first. I want to be first. It's a whole lot easier for us to trust in what we see in the resources that we have than to be able to trust Him. It's easier to believe that our salvation flows out of our efforts and our own doing. But Jesus knew that it was easy to be distracted. And He knew the only way, the only way to obey Him and to follow Him was to let go of what we valued the most. Now, this is my question for you because we've prayed about this. What is it that you put above your relationship with God? What is it, the distractions that you might have? What are the hindrances that you might have walking as, you, as you're walking through the journey of faith? And this is what Jesus tells us. If you really want to have eternal life, if you really want to have a relationship with me, then you've got to get rid of the direct distractions. Sell the possessions. Give to the poor. Come follow me. Walk with me. Hear my teachings. What is it that Jesus said in John 8, 32? He says, if you obey my teachings, you will be my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's it. But knowing the truth doesn't come through things that we do. It comes through a relationship as we spend time with Him and we're willing to put Him in the priority place. And that's when we get to know Him. And Jesus said that's eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me today? For those of us that are believers, here's just my, here's my, my question to you. What is it that's a distraction? What is it that's a distraction today? And if the Holy Spirit has revealed something to you that's a distraction, the only thing I'm asking you to do today is go before the Lord and say, Lord, you've identified this as a distraction to me. I want to lay it aside because my desire to know you is more than my desire to hold on than that which is a hindrance. I want to know you more. Maybe it's my time. It could be a, a hobby. I don't know what it may be. It could be my finances. I really don't know. Whatever it is, Lord, I want to lay it aside and I want to put you in the priority position. Help us identify that. For those of us that are here that don't know Christ, have never trusted Christ, this would be my question. You may ask or want to know what it is to have eternal life. We have learned right up front that it's not about a place, it's not about heaven, but it's about a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want to be just a part of your life. He wants to be your life. And today, if you want to follow Him, if today if you want to be a disciple, if you want to know Jesus, it comes through acknowledging the fact, that first of all, that you're a sinner and that you need Him. Second of all, that, that uh, it would be Jesus Himself that would die on a cross for our sins. Scripture says that He demonstrated His love that even while we were yet unlovable, that while we were sinners, while we were running away, that He gave His life so that we could have life. And today, if you don't know Christ, the question is, what is it that keeps you from making the most important decision of your life? 
it's not about you and it's not about your efforts and it's not about anything that you're capable of, but it's about what Jesus did that brings salvation. And he calls us and he says, today would you enter into a relationship with me because I so much desire that relationship with you. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I wish I could tell you it was as simple as a prayer. But it's just a, a humble affirmation of, of knowing that who Jesus is and desiring to know him more. And it begins with that acknowledgement, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I believe. I want to follow you today. And if you're here and you've, and you've never made that decision, but today you want to make that decision to say, I don't understand it all, but I don't want to be like the rich man that turns and walks away and holds on, but I want to, I want to know Jesus. I want to know eternal life. If you're here today, man, I, just with heads bowed, I, I just where you are, just say, I want to know. Just raise your hand and say, I want to know. I want to know. Is there anybody? I want to know. If you're here today and that's you, just pray that you'd be willing and bold enough to come to me and to say, I want to know Jesus. But even right there where you are, you can tell him in the simplest of forms, Lord, I want to know you. Please forgive me of my sins. I want to trust you. Father, I thank you, but this is what I know that is that is that every one of us are a step away from stupid. And even when we walk out of this room today, we're going to be we're going to be faced with major decisions in our life about what we're going to do. Help us to make our decision-making. Help us to make decisions not off of our feelings or emotions, um, what we think or what, we, uh, what others may say or what may benefit, uh, benefit us the most. But God, help us to hold on to your scriptures and to learn to trust and obey them because it's in that that we find life. I thank you for what you are doing in the lives of many people here the stories that I've heard and how I've been encouraged in my faith, even this morning of somebody coming to tell me, man, I just can't get away from God. He just won't let me go. And how I have to respond. I have to respond. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that moves in and amongst us. And God, I'm just praying that as believers that are here today, we would, we would, we would yield. We would submit and we would follow. We would hear your voice. For those of us that are not yet believers but desire to be, Father, I pray even today that they would submit. They would humble themselves and go before you and say, Father, I'm a sinner. Would you save me? Thank you for this day and for what you've taught us through this series. There's so much to try to get our arms around. It's very difficult. But God, I'm praying that as we desire to live out a legacy of faith that we would become more and more aligned to what your scripture has to say that we would fight against the culture that's around us. And Father, that we would do everything that we can to try to live in such a way that we present Christ. We don't talk an awful lot about size around here. We don't talk an awful lot about, about some of the issues that you find. But Father, what we do talk about is about living for you. And so I'm praying for these soldiers as they're sent out into this community, that God, that we would be people, that, that people would say, I, I know I know that I can come and talk to you because I know that you're different. I know that you have a relationship with God. I can see it. And so I want to talk to you about some things, some spiritual things that are on my life. May that be how one of the, one of the, one of the characteristics of people that come to Heritage. Father, that, that they see us as people that are desiring, not perfect, but people that are desiring to live for you. And Father, as we live out our faith, not only with, as parents with our children's lives be changed, but Father, I pray that in, in light that our community would be changed. Walk alongside us because this is what I know, that Satan's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and Father, I know that when you're at work, Satan just doesn't like it. So I pray for protection over our people. 
I pray that you would guard their hearts. Thank you for a loving body of people that so much desires to know and follow you. But I now send us out to be an army as we live out a legacy of faith in our daily lives. Bless us now as we go. Help us to be drawn closer to you. Father, as we identify the distractions and we turn them over and we say, God, we want to put you first. In Jesus' name, amen.